0: Miracle of the skies, miracle in the temple, the miracle in the tombs. This is the greatest miracle of all. The miracle in the heart. On today's episode of Word of God Speak, Pastor Lee shares about the miracles that took place on the day Jesus died. What were these miracles on Good Friday? What did they symbolize, and how have they impacted our lives today? Listen prayerfully and discover the meaning of these miracles. What I want to do tonight is just to spend a little bit of time uh, looking at some scriptures that teach us some things about what happened uh, on the day that Jesus died. And so uh, before we take the Lord's Supper tonight, we're going to look at the miracles that took place on Good Friday. Uh, With our mind's eye, uh, we're going to see, and with the truth of God in our hands, uh, we're going to look at the mighty works of God on display as Jesus Christ died on the cross. The miracles that took place at Calvary. And so we'll just dive right in, in Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 45. The first thing I want us to, to ponder tonight and to look at is the miracle in the skies. The miracle in the skies. The Bible says in verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. The miracle that we see in, this, uh, in these verses, uh, we might call the miracle in the skies. From 12 noon to 3 o'clock, it was dark as night. Anybody ever uh, seen that happen? Maybe in Alaska, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, There's some different things that happen around the world, but not like this. Not like this. It was pitch black in the middle of the day, right up until the time the Bible says that Jesus breathed his last. Darkness covered the city of Jerusalem, covered the land. When Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It was dark, literally and figuratively. When sour wine was offered to him on the stick, it was dark. When he bowed his head and he finished the work of redemption, it was dark. One of the prophets of the Old Testament, Amos, actually writes about uh, this day and this time. Amos chapter 8 and verse 9 says, And in that day, this is the declaration of the Lord God. I will make the sun go down at noon. I will darken the land in the daytime. If you think about it for just a moment, you, you might agree with me that it seems as though a lot of bad things happen at night. It seems like a lot of bad things happen, that most of the bad things in the world happen under the cloak of of darkness. Night and darkness have often, and for a long time, symbolized sin and things that are evil. In this particular case, darkness symbolizes the judgment of sin. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. The judgment against sin is execution. It is death. And at this very moment, on that Good Friday, Jesus is bearing in His body the sins of the whole world. He is hanging in the place of judgment. From the time that they were little, the Jewish people came to learn that he who hangs on a tree is cursed. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. Payment was being made, the judgment for sin is death, and He bore it all. And at the time He bore it all, the lights went out. It got dark. Supernatural. Miraculous occurrence. Signifying what was going on. The judgment that was being poured out, the wrath that was being poured out upon God was visible in the night sky as it became dark. It was a visible demonstration of the justice of God being served. Now for us tonight, that reminds us (laughs) that we didn't have to receive that judgment. Because Jesus took it on the cross. But that's only one miracle that takes place uh, on Good Friday when Jesus breathes his last. There's then the miracle in the temple. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. It says, But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two, from top to bottom. Now, in Herod's temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies, and there was a temple that was sixty feet tall. I mean, there was a curtain that was sixty feet tall that separated the Holy of Holies, the the place where God dwelt, from everybody else. Nobody could go into the Holy of Holies except for the high priest, and he could only go. Once a year, for one reason, and that was to offer sacrifices and to uh, make an atonement sacrifice for the sins of the whole nation. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but some scholars think that the curtain was about four inches thick. So it's 60 feet tall, it's four inches thick, and the Bible does tell us that it was torn from top to bottom. So it was torn in half. And uh, it wasn't done by man. This was something God did. And the miracle in the temple is very significant for us. At the time Jesus breathed His last, the, the temple curtain is torn in two, and it symbolizes a few things. It symbolizes that God was moving. In other words, He's no longer dwelling here in a building that's made by the hands of men. But He is moving into the hearts of men and women. It becomes very personal. But not only does it symbolize that that God is moving out of a dwelling place made by hands and into the hearts of men and women who believe on His name, It also signifies that there will never be a need for another sacrifice. The high priest is not going to have to go into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice again because Jesus Christ is the once and for all sacrifice. But then there's another thing. And as I was studying, kind of getting ready for tonight, I don't think that's me. (laughs) Uh, as I was studying and getting ready for tonight, I just continued to get excited about all these things. Uh, And the, the other thing that we see here is not only is there no need for any more sacrifices because Jesus paid it all and all to Him we owe, but there's no need for any high priest anymore either. This is good. We have direct access to God. We can come to God. And we can talk to God. The priestly role is no longer necessary. In fact, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our high high priest. We'll read that in just a moment. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, it says, Therefore, and and Hebrews is is really looking back at Old Testament uh, and the Old Testament sacrificial system and many other things, and so you can hear that in these verses. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 4.14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, That's Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast with our confession. So there was the miracle in the skies, and there was the miracle in the temple. And then there was the miracle in the tombs. In Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 51 again, it says, Suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom, The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. Uncle Joe's at the door. We had not seen him in a long time because he's been dead for a while. Sometimes we, we read through these verses and we just, we just kind of keep on going. But these are miracles. <laughs> God is speaking at this moment that His Son is di- has died. Uh, that he, he has given His life as a sacrifice. And the sky turned black. And the temple curtain was torn in two. And the ground began to shake. And the rocks split, and the dead came alive. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. Now, this is not a reference to the resurrection of the dead, but a reference to the revival of the dead. Much like what happened in John chapter 11 with Lazarus. You remember Jesus came to town? But they thought he was a little bit late. They were a little upset with Jesus because Lazarus had been dead for four days. And the Bible tells us that he had begun to stink, which means his body had begun to change. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he gets up and he walks out of the grave. He was revived. And he was brought back to life. Now we don't know on this particular Friday. We we don't know how many people were raised from the dead. Uh, On this day when the earthquake, the rocks split and people rose up out of the graves. And they appeared to many the Bible says. We don't know how much longer they lived after that. But here's what we do know. They died again. They died again. Now this is the difference between the resurrection of the dead and the revival of the dead. When we are resurrected, when the Lord Jesus comes and we are resurrected, we are raised to immortality. Anyone in the Bible that was brought back from the dead was subject to die again. They were given life, but they were also given life in a mortal body. This is the difference between the resurrection from the dead and being raised from the dead. However, this is a passage that points us, it symbolizes what is to come. It reminds us that one day we will rise again, never to die again. There were some amazing things happening on the day that Jesus died, in the moments that He breathed His last breath. In fact, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is in First Thessalonians chapter 4, Uh, talks about when Jesus comes back and and when we are raised, and when, when people are raised or resurrected from the dead. It says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are uh, still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so we will always be with the Lord. Paul is comforting the the church in Thessalonica by saying, hey, those who died and gone on before you, you will see them again. In fact, don't worry about them. They're coming up out of the graves first. And then you're going to go with them and meet the others in the air. What a blessing to see these things that are happening as Jesus breathes his last breath. But the last miracle is this. It is the miracle in the heart. The miracle in the heart. In Matthew chapter 27 again and in verse 54 it says, When the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake, And the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. (laughs) Miracle of the skies, miracle in the temple, the miracle in the tombs. This is the greatest miracle of all. the Miracle in the heart. The soldier was not a believer. You you know what he believed about Jesus? He believed about Jesus, what he'd been told about Jesus. And what others were saying about Jesus as he was being crucified. Uh, Maybe even that he was the king of the Jews, because it was written above where he was being hung on a cross. Three different languages. So he wasn't a believer. He understood him to be someone else. He was simply there doing his job on that day. But at this moment, his unbelief turned to fear. And then it turned to belief. And then it turned to proclamation. Do you see that? He goes from unbelief to fear to belief and then proclamation. At first he was just the king of the Jews. But now after the sky has turned as dark as night and the temple curtain has been torn in two and the earth shakes and the rocks split and the dead people get up and walk around town, he is afraid and he understands him to be somebody different. Than all the other people are saying him to be, and he and he shouts, he is there there from a terrified soldier, he shouts, truly, this man is the Son of God. He comes to faith in Christ, his heart changes, his heart is transformed by the grace and the mercy of God right there at the time that Jesus breathed his last. You know the Bible tells us in Romans 9 verses 9 and 10 if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. One believes with a heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. And I know sometimes when we gather on a night like this. We might assume everybody here. Has experienced the miracle in the heart. But that's not always true. When I was pastoring a church in McGee, Mississippi, years ago, my first church to ever pastor. Bless their hearts, they were very patient. And uh, I remember on a Wednesday night. Prayer meeting. Two young teenage boys came up to me and said, we need to be saved. Well, that was not a typical typical experience on a Wednesday night, so it might not be a typical experience on a Friday night, since this is the only Friday night service we have during the year, right? But here's my point. The miracle in the heart is available to each and every one of you. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus, the Son of God, was raised from the dead, you too can be saved. Have you personally experienced the miracle in the heart that only Jesus can perform? In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive Him, not to some, but to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in His name. Thank you for listening to The Word of God Speak, the sermon podcast of Pastor Lee Merck. We hope that you were blessed by today's episode.